Hello and welcome to the Free Movement Podcast. I'm CJ McKinney. On the 23rd of June 2016, the United Kingdom voted underwhelmingly to leave the European Union by 52% 48. Exactly five years on, the repercussions of that decision continue to be felt, especially among EU citizens already living in the UK. With very few exceptions, those European residents and their families must apply to keep their residence rights in the UK now that EU free movement laws are being switched off. And the main deadline for applications to this EU settlement scheme is the 30th of June 2021, in just a few days' time. Very important date. And joining me to discuss what that means for people is Chris Ben from the law firm Surface. Hey, Chris. Hi, CJ. Nice to be here this afternoon. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. And we've got you on video as well as an experiment. We'll see whether we end up using that. You've been on the podcast before. Just remind us briefly of why you're our go-to guy and all things uh, EU settlement scheme. My The firm I work for, Seraphis, we've been um, contracted by the uh, EU, um, the first the commission representation and now the EU delegation as it is to um, provide outreach work to EU citizens uh, who are obviously in the UK and need to go through the EU settlement scheme. So I spend a lot of time talking to people about the scheme and uh, trying to help uh, understand it a bit better and, and trying to provide information at the more challenging aspects of it. I think you are the only one who does understand the scheme in all its uh, glory. What we're going to try and cover is who this deadline of the 30th of June applies to, the exceptions where you can apply after the deadline, uh, because there is some flexibility, spoiler alert, uh, and also what happens if you don't have your uh, pre-settler status, status by the deadline uh, in terms of uh, employment rights, benefits, things like that. So a lot to cover. We'll crack on. Let's just get the scope of the settlement scheme right before we start, because we talk about the EU settlement scheme but in fact, it's it's open to not only everyone from an EU country, but also the three European economic area countries, so Norway, Iceland, Liechtenstein, as well as Switzerland. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I tend to use EU citizens or European citizens, but that's what we're talking about. Of course, we do mean people who, by and large, it's, it's about those who are resident by the 31st of December 2020, um, unless they are sort of family members who are coming at a later date. But then we also... When we do look at family members, um, if they can be sponsored by someone who has a European nationality and status under the scheme, that family member can be from any country. It's not limited to to European countries for the family members. Absolutely. So some non-Europeans in the mix as well, if they're being sponsored. So and it's a huge, huge scheme with, uh, I think, 5.6 million applications to date. So this deadline of the 30th of June 2021 is when most people need to have applied by, but it's not the deadline for everyone. So can you tell me, first of all, it, this is the big scary deadline, but who does it not apply to? Who is sort of totally exempt from this this 30th of June uh, date? The main group that we would want to have a look at first is obviously um, people who've been granted pre-settled status um, already. They do have another deadline to make a settled status application because their pre-settled status lasts for five years. So they're going to have to make a second application once they've gone over or they've got the five years of qualifying residence that they need. But obviously, they don't need to do that by the 30th of June. That person just needs to make their um, settled status application before their pre-settled status expires. Then we have joining family members. So those are family members who weren't resident in the UK by 31st of December. So they, they've been able to come as joining family members from the 1st of January onwards. 
Um, but they, um, when, when they apply from outside the UK to join the, the family member who's sponsoring them in the UK, they don't have to do this by the 30th of June because essentially they're eligible to apply at any time in the future to join um, as long as the family relationship is an eligible one covered by the scheme. As in, if they it was a relationship that existed before the thirtieth of thirty first of December twenty twenty, is that right? Yeah, by by that day, or when we look at children born after that date, they're still covered. But yeah, the the, the general rule for anyone who's not a child is the relationship on the thirty first of December had to be in existence, and at the same time as when they come to apply to join, whenever that may be in the future. And then the final sort of main category I'd, I would like to talk about is just children who are born to non-settled parents in the UK, because obviously they're not going to be born British citizens. So they will have a requirement to apply to the scheme for their own status. And that is supposed to be done within three months of the child being born. Um, so they don't have to apply by 30th of June, just three months from the date of birth. There are a couple of other really sort of niche situations um, where the 30th of June deadline doesn't apply. So just to list them, you have things like um, diplomats and employees of international organizations who are exempt from immigration control. They don't have the 30th of June deadline. Neither do family members who have an existing grant of status under the immigration rules or outside the immigration rules. So something like a student um, wouldn't have the deadline. They would have to apply by the end of their status. Um, and the Surinder Singh um, category for family members of British citizens in the EU doesn't have the uh, the 30th of June deadline. They have the, they have to apply by 29th of March 2022. Okay, so for the majority of people to whom that deadline does apply, let's think about what happens then on the 1st of July. So if you are a agricultural worker from Eastern Europe, to take a maybe stereotyped example, you're working out in the fields in Lincolnshire and the word hasn't gotten around about this scheme and, and you, you don't realise until afterwards that you were supposed to apply, what happens to that hypothetical person? Are they screwed? Is that their chance to, to apply to remain in the UK just gone? No, um, thankfully not, because the, the withdrawal agreement between the UK and the EU obviously envisaged that some people might not make their applications in time. And so they inserted a clause which said someone can apply after the the stipulated deadline as long as they have reasonable grounds for having to make that late application. Okay, so that's a key phrase. What what do they mean by reasonable grounds? Reasonable grounds, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it means anything that is, is a reasonable excuse for, for not applying before the deadline. So uh, I think the first thing to note about that is it's going to be um, a wide range of reasons. There's not, There cannot be sort of a prescribed set of uh, a prescribed situation where someone uh, will be reasonable, whereas someone in another situation wouldn't be. So the Home Office has got this guidance uh, document, the EUSS main caseworker guidance includes a section on um, those applying late and what reasonable grounds, uh, how it's going to work. And within that guidance, they have some examples that they give, but as I say, non-exhaustive examples. But the things that they've put into the guidance is uh, like children, can mean children in care, but also children whose parents didn't realise they needed to apply, um, those with um, physical or mental disabilities or a capacity issue and who have or might have care needs um, if they miss the deadline, someone you know with a medical condition that prevented them from applying, victims of modern slavery, um, people in abusive relationships, 
Um, so those are all the kind of things that we would expect to see them there, to be honest, because they're obviously very clear and obvious reasons why someone would maybe miss the deadline. But then you also have a category, what, what's written into the guidance is other compelling or compassionate grounds. And that's the key um, key example because it includes people who have an ignorance of the scheme or perhaps thought that it didn't apply to them for some reason. Perhaps they've been in the UK for so many years. And does it actually say in the guidance that if you just thought you didn't have to apply or you didn't know about the scheme and you apply late that that will be accepted as a compelling, compassionate reason? Or are we just hoping that that will be the case? I think that we're we're hoping that what the guidance means is that those people who are unaware of the scheme or you know, had a belief that it wasn't applicable to them because perhaps they've lived in the UK for a long period of time and, and they thought that exempted them, um, that that is, is enough to constitute uh, a compelling and compassionate reason. It appears to be written in that way. That's how I, I would take the guidance. Um, but obviously no one's yet made a late application and so to a degree we'll have to see what um, what kind of consistency we get from the decision-making side of the Home Office as to how this is applied. But but I, I would very much hope and expect people to be able to declare that they did not know about the scheme um, and that's a good reason for their, for their application coming after the deadline. How late can you invoke uh, one of these reasonable grounds exceptions? Are we just talking like a few days after the deadline, weeks, months, years? How's that going to work? So the principle um, is that it's it's open indefinitely. The scheme doesn't have a have a kind of a, another deadline that someone would have to make a late application by. Um, but I think what you see in the in the, the policy guidance is that um, where you have children, there's an there's a, a the, the home office sees that as a reason for someone to maybe apply very late on years down the line because the the child can't be held responsible for a parent or someone with parental responsibility not applying. So the children are sort of that in that category where they may well be coming in years' time. With adults, um, the guidance is a bit more along the lines of the further we move away from the deadline, the less reasonable we might see a late application coming. So even though it doesn't give any sort of specific time frame, there's a strong hint that as time progresses, those reasons will have to get stronger the later that someone comes to make their their application. Okay, that seems uh, commonsensical. So no final cutoff date, but the later you leave it, uh, the less reasonable your excuse might be considered. Do we know the actual process for making a late application and invoking reasonable grounds? Is it the same actual procedures as a, an in-time application? So you use the app and then you apply online or is, will they make it different? Yeah, as I, as I understand it, and, and unless something has changed since the last time I um, discussed with the Home Office um, the process, uh, what will happen is in the online form and in the equivalent paper forms, they'll add in a field for someone to to write down or, ex- or explain their reasons for applying late. So it will just be an additional question that comes in the, the process as we see it today. And then, of course, uh, if there is evidence to support the late uh, application reason, then that will be included, uploaded to the online form or included with the paper form. So no significant change except to to give people the opportunity to present their reasons. And what happens if you have applied late, you've submitted your reasonable grounds, you've maybe put in some evidence and the Home Office looks and says, uh, nope, sorry, that's not reasonable, you're too late, uh, we're not going to consider your application. Can you challenge that decision in any way? Is there an appeal process or anything like that? 
Yeah, um, I mean, the, the Home Office has sort of included the, the, the late reason ground as an, a new eligibility criteria to be granted status. So they've, they've sort of said, as well as you proving your residency, and if you're a family member, proving your family relationship, you're now also going to have to prove you're eligible to have made a late application. So if they accept your late reason, um, then they'll grant as long as you meet the other eligibility and so that's suitability. But if they reject you on the late reason, then that's an eligibility refusal with a full appeal right or an administrative review right. After the 30th of June, even if you can sort of recover your position with a late application, uh, you may be in trouble because you uh, won't be able to just use your EU passport or ID card to rent a house, get a job, claim benefits and generally go about your business. EU free movement laws are being sort of switched off from the 1st of July. So that's why it's so important to get your application in beforehand. But let's just try and work on pick what does happen if you haven't got your status by then in terms of these um, day-to-day realities. And there's two groups of people we're going to try to cover here. There's first of all, the people who've applied on time by the deadline, but they haven't got a decision by then, maybe they applied last minute. Um, so there's a pending decision. And then the second group of people is people who haven't applied at all by the 30th of June, who we'll, we'll go on to talk about. So let's first of all look at people with pending applications. This this is not a hypothetical problem. There's a big decision-making backlog. Uh, you were saying before we came on that the media reports today are 400,000 people in this position. So what happens if, if you're in this backlog group you've got a pending application are you protected legally speaking so legally speaking some of the people in that group are protected um, by a set of regulations called the the citizens rights application deadline and temporary protection eu exit 2020 regulations now they say that someone who was um, exercising free movement rights on 31st of december 2020 or had permanent residency is protected throughout the grace period. And then if their decision is not made by the end of the grace period on the 30th of June, they're protected beyond that. But the Home Office also doesn't think that those regulations cover everyone who could apply to the EU settlement scheme. So what they are saying in in reality and the sort of the practical side of this is they're basically saying, if you applied in time, then your rights are protected whilst we process your application, irrespective of how long we go beyond the 30th of June with that decision. And, and what people will be required to do is they'll they'll have their certificate of application, hopefully when they made their application, or at least at the very least, if they've used the online form, they'll have an email notification that they've submitted an online application. And the idea is that they will be able to use that to pass the relevant immigration checks from employers and landlords and so on when asked to show that they made an in-time application. What about people who don't apply at all by the deadline? So we've talked about them being able to apply late and maybe um, get themselves residence rights despite that. What's their legal position in the meantime? Are they living in the UK illegally uh, if they've missed the deadline? Again, it's it's probably not entirely uh, clear, or at least there's some debate about what someone's lawful position would be. The Home Office tends to refer to them as people without lawful status. So they don't explicitly say they're unlawful and they don't explicitly say they're illegally here, but they don't refer to them as people with lawful status. And again, if we, you know, as lawyers who who work in the immigration field, we will be familiar with the way that hostile environment checks work. And that is to treat you as 
someone who effectively is unlawful if you cannot prove a lawful status. And that's what's going to happen to EU citizens, that they're going to struggle to pass immigration checks because they don't have any status to prove to the person they, and they don't have, um, well, they won't have made an application. But even when they do, they still won't have any legal status till their application is resolved uh, according to the way the Home Office is, is approaching this situation. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit because that's obviously very important for uh, people who may find themselves in this position. So let's go through a few kind of real world scenarios. So if you have missed the deadline and you are encountered by an immigration officer in, you know, 2022, um, what happens? Does the immigration officer, you know, grab you, take you in, try to kick you out of the country or have they said anything about how they would resolve that? What the Home Office has done in the in the caseworker guidance, again, the main EUSS caseworker guidance is that they've uh, included a, a sort of section on immigration enforcement and where someone is encountered either by immigration enforcement or a local authority and referred to immigration enforcement, where that person doesn't have uh, any status that they can prove, but appears to be someone who, are, you know, obviously we're talking about European citizens again, but this should cover family members of European citizens as well where they appear to have been living in the UK by the 31st of December, the immigration uh, enforcement team is is supposed to give them a written notice. So they're not supposed to detain them. They're not supposed to apply any of the sort of normal procedures, if you like. It's supposed to give them a written notice to say, you appear to be someone you should apply to the settlement scheme, make your application within 28 days. Uh, and if, if you read the reading of the, the guidance is, and then they are left alone. You know, there's no sort of follow up at that point. Um, and then ideally, obviously, the person is going to make their application in time or sorry, within the 28 day uh, time frame that they're given. OK, so that's the immigration enforcement side. There was a story in The Times this week that suggested that people who missed the deadline and are claiming benefits will have those benefits cut off immediately. Is that correct? It doesn't seem so. I think this is a relatively recent development. There was evidence from the Immigration Minister, Kevin Foster, yesterday to the House of Lords uh, Committee. And um, what he was saying was that someone who has an existing benefits claim that's being paid out before the end of the grace period, if that person misses the deadline to apply, they're not going to have their claim closed down on the, the 1st of July. They will be given probably some kind of notice that they they need to obtain status and so again to make that application and then as long as they do that and then come back to the department of work and pensions showing that they've made the application the benefits claim will continue whilst the application is being processed so there's a little bit of um, protection there for someone as an existing benefits claimant what it doesn't cover uh, is someone who is a late applicant and who needs to make a benefits claim after the 1st of July, who doesn't have one, um, who doesn't have an existing claim. Because in that scenario, even if the person might be eligible for the benefit in every other sense, they're going to be refused on the basis that they haven't made an an in-time settlement scheme application. So this is the person who is being treated as the illegal, unlawful resident um, and so there's no temporary protection for them even once they make their application to the scheme there's no temporary protection for them um, they are basically left in a state of limbo until the the settlement scheme application including the late application reasons is assessed and if they're then granted status 
however long that is down the line. And let's face it, because of that backlog, it looks like there's going to be a delay in, in processing late applications as well as there is delays in processing in-time applications today. So those people in that position are, are going to have a long period where they won't have access to any uh, kind of benefits, um, e- even if their financial circumstances and their previous sort of activity mean that they would be eligible otherwise. Okay, so some protection for people who claim benefits currently, but none for people who don't. That's uh, concerning. What about the other kind of immigration checks that sort of happen in the country? I'm, I'm thinking about employers checking the employment status of their uh, workers and landlords checking the immigration status of their uh, tenants. What happens there? Are they if you have missed the deadline and you're facing some of these checks, uh, can you uh, just be fired or evicted on the basis that you're you've got no lawful status? Again, a uh, little bit <laughs> it depends on the circumstances. Um, so, a bit like what we were talking about with that benefits situation, where there's sort of an existing benefits claim. So, if you are an existing tenant or you're an existing employee you can sort of invoke something similar if it's then established that you should have made an application by the deadline but didn't. Your employer does not have to immediately terminate your uh, your, your employment, nor does your landlord have to terminate your tenancy. But you then do have to make an application to the scheme fairly quickly, and within 28 days you're supposed to provide um, effectively a certificate of application that shows that you have um, made the delay application. And once you've done that, you're you're able to carry on working and maintain your tenancy for the period whilst you're being processed through the scheme. But again, in comp- comparing to the benefit situation, if you wanted to move jobs or if you didn't have a job on the th- by the 30th of June and you wanted to get one from the 1st of July onwards, if you've missed the, the application deadline, you're not going to pass a right to work check with a new employer or with a new landlord because you're treated as a late applicant without effectively any lawful status and that's only going to change once you ha- have a grant of status, however long that is down the line, and obviously might be subject to appeals, which cause could cause an even more delay on you getting your status. So if you're in an existing position on the 30th of June, then you have a little bit of protection. If you're not in an existing position or an existing tenancy on the 30th of June, you can't put yourself in the position to get one. Just stepping back from the detail before we finish up, I mentioned at the outset that there have been, I think, 5.6 million applications to the settlement scheme so far, some repeat applications, but still over 5 million individuals, uh, it's safe to say. Are there really many people out there who are in danger of missing this deadline if there have already been so many applications? I think that that is, I mean, that is the question. Um because really no one can give you that answer. No one uh, in government and no organisation who, who's sort of involved in this, this work can really ever tell you that. I think the point that you would make, or from, from the point I would make, is that everything about the scheme has under, underestimated the eligible EU population size. So yes, we have seen a phenomenal amount of applications, but it was way over what was anticipated. And so I don't think that we should underestimate that there could be very many people who have missed the deadline to apply. And certainly if you talk with organisations in the sector uh, and those grant-funded organisations who work with getting people through the the scheme who have vulnerabilities, they would probably give you a very similar message, which is we're very worried about how many people haven't applied, even though we couldn't put a figure on it. 
because we this is what we see with situations we still still see people coming to us who've not heard about the scheme and things like that um so i i think that we have to be realistic that, that a scheme of this size is, was very unlikely to ever capture everyone. And even if you miss out a, ton, a few percent of those people who, who should be applying, who miss the deadline, tens of thousands of people, and then you might be pushing upwards of, of 100,000 people and beyond. So I think it's still something that, that the sector is very concerned about, notwithstanding that it's pleasing that a lot of people have been able to apply successfully to the scheme. Chris, thanks very much. That's been extremely helpful. Chris Ben from Seraphis. This has been a podcast from uh, Free Movement. We cover all aspects of UK immigration and asylum law. Visit us on www.freemovement.org.uk to find out more. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with our monthly roundup podcast with myself and our editor, Colin Yeo. Until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.